As Plato said, you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than a year of conversation. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Mark Scholl, filling in for Rhonda Oglesby. Thanks for having me, Regina. Delighted to have you here on the show today. And we're going to talk with game developer Michael Stevens, who will tell us about Golden Sky Stories, a Japanese tabletop role-playing game currently being translated for an English-speaking audience. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game on Girl. We're delighted to have Michael Stevens with us today. Mike has a long history in the game industry and has loved games ever since his parents gave him a video game system when he was three. This love carried into his career as a writer, editor, promotions manager, and event coordinator for some of the largest game companies and conventions. Right now, Mike is working on a Kickstarter project to get Golden Sky Stories translated into English. Golden Skies is a family-friendly, non-violent tabletop RPG with fantasy elements and adorable talking animals. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, glad to be here. We're delighted to have you. Excited to hear about your uh, Japanese-to-English RPG game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, people people get kind of surprised when I say, oh, yeah, I'm bringing over the first uh, one of the first JRPGs to English. Like, haven't there been plenty of those? Right, exactly. And they have to put it in its context. Context. This is what the uh, Japanese fandom calls a table talk game. Table talk. Uh, a, a, a table talk role-playing game. Oh, oh, nice. interesting. Yeah, I like that. That's a great phrase, just in general. I still love the German uh, German word for pen and paper role-playing games. Which is? Rollenspiel. <laughs> gotta, gotta say it like you're a member of uh, Rammstein. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, Mike, I'm going to jump right in and ask you the question that's been burning in my mind. Um, how did you get involved in this? Well, uh, it all has to do with uh, my longstanding friend, Aaron Clooney. Uh, we've, been, we've been friends ever since high school, uh, hanging out, talking about anime, video games, and things of that sort. Uh, I've also just been kind of a renaissance gamer as that wonderfully uh, detailed background gave out <laughs> and uh and at the time i was doing demonstrations for wizards of the coasts and then uh after that uh alderac entertainment group uh for doomtown amongst amongst other uh games and things of that sort and uh and yeah, look up Doomtown. Very awesome game. Uh, but he got me uh, to uh, help him out with running a, uh, a local anime convention and running and starting up the tabletop gaming department there. And it just kind of snowballed into working more and more on various projects. Uh, some wouldn't work, some would work. Uh, and just one time, it just came from uh, working on Made RPG. He he just got a hold of it, uh, and he is uh, he managed to get all of his get his masters in um, in Japanese language and everything. 
Oh. And he he, uh, he thought it would be fun to translate, made RPG, and it was like uh, uh, just 16 pages of rules, looked it over, and I thought it was a really cool game. So it, it after that, it just kind of spun out. He was toying with the idea of releasing here, and he wasn't really too sure about that game because it's so random and weird but i said that's kind of the good thing and after uh after a very boring day testing this really boring psp game that was stuck in the office for over a year i i just got so bored i just brought out the translation of made rpg and just rolled up characters and then i would tell people uh the crazy characters that came from it within that day Everyone in the office who's never played a single game, a single role-playing game before, they they just loved it. It's like, all right, all right, Mike, roll me up a maid. And they're like, <laughs> okay, so your maid is a shape-shifting bunny girl who happens to be a runaway ninja slash mutant who is a necromancer in her part-time. <laughs> That's like taking elements of um, every genre and, you know, just kind of throwing in the in the blender and creating a character from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's the whole fun of the game, which is like, no, you don't get to pick your character. You just roll it. And we've used that as a demonstration. And after after I told Aaron about that, really helped push him along towards getting made RPG released, right. being the first Japanese role-playing game to be released here in the U.S. And and just to clarify, since this is an audio podcast, that that he's saying maid, M-A-I-D, as in housekeeper maid. <laughs> yes, yes, playing off of the yes. wacky, uh, the wacky maid trope mm-hmm. in uh, in anime that mm-hmm. has hit uh, hit of recent years. Mm-hmm. But it's it's actually a clever uh, clever spoof. Of, of the whole thing and an entire send up, but it's kind of fun. Um, but anyway, so we got that done and we actually got it released in Gen Con in 2008. And we re- thought, you know what, let's actually go for this. Let's, let's release another game uh, here from, from Japan and, and bring, bring them over. And he said, yeah, I'm all for it. And at the time he was really, he was working on his, uh, his final for, for his, uh, Japanese class in college. And that was Yuyake Koyake, which we now call golden sky stories here. And he thought, why don't we do this as our, as our first project? And we already know the designer, uh, same same gentleman who brought us made the RPG Rio Kamiya, and uh, we looked over the game. We were absolutely floored on how ra- radically different the game is from Made, and some of the other uh, games that he has done. I thought it was really cute, and after playtesting it with families, I I really think this is something very special really quick do you, you mind if i ask do you have children yourself or does your friend I, Aaron have children yeah i uh, i do not have children uh but i've often been 
the next door neighbors, uh, when, whenever the next door neighbors, uh, would move in and there'd happen to be kids, just a chance encounter. And I tend to be the cool guy on the block and, and I have nephews and cousins. So you have some, uh, some, uh, play testers. <laughs> I have had some play testers. Uh, I've, I've had that fortune. I've also been able to, uh, meet some pretty cool kids at conventions and everything, mm-hmm. but uh, I really like kids. I, I really like hanging out with the guys, but, uh, uh, it, but for me personally, no, I do not uh, do not have kids. But that does not mean that uh, uh, that my experience with kids is is minimal. <laughs> well, to to have such a, a draw to to golden skies, I would imagine that you could see its applications. I I don't have kids either, but I can very much look at it and see just from the little I know from the Kickstarter and um, looking over the demo um, PDF, exactly how much fun it would be to get a bunch of kids playing it and a bunch of parents and a bunch of everybody. I think it has a lot of sort of mass appeal. I think it's going to be a a great way for parents who play role-playing games to get their their kids into it without having to expose them to you know boobs and monsters and stuff like that. Actually, the funny thing is is that our game does have monsters. Uh, it, it does actually. The henge themselves are Japanese monsters, but they've been kind of disnified. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, our upcoming set. Uh, which we have not have a English title for, but that's all about the other Japanese monsters of myth and legend, like the Kappa and the Oni, uh, the the, uh, the kind of uh, turtle turtle goblin monster, mm-hmm. as well as. Uh, the Oni, which is the Japanese ogre. Well, can you give us, um, is there kind of, because Mark and I have, have looked at the game over, so we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but can you give us kind of a description of how the game works and how uh, how you would develop a character, how those characters play, maybe kind of, you know, a short spiel about what exactly Golden Skies is. What actually goes on in the, yeah. in the game? Yeah. Okay, so... Golden Sky's stories uh, in the base setting is all about animals with a little bit of magic, and they're called henge. Uh, it's it's written as henge, but uh, we say just think of a chicken that is happy <laughs> to to pronounce it. Uh, that 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 was Aaron's thing, uh, but yes, so. So you play this henge, and the henge want to uh, like meeting people, and they live around a very small town in the boonies, uh, boonies of Japan, and they uh, interact with both the townsfolk as well as any of the local uh, spirits and local gods that happen to be nearby if you've ever seen um a lot of the more sweeter uh studio ghibli films you're pretty dead on of of how how the feeling of the game is uh supposed to be so when you begin the game uh you will just choose which animal you want to be and of course there's going to be a uh a game master a storyteller who will set up the general storyline but also will set up the particular scenes that will be going on in the game 
the game actually works instead of like a lot of role playing games where it's just a steady stream of role playing. The game works off of scenes, much like acts in a play. That's kind of how the system is based. A little uh, the bit game, like White Wolf, then. A little bit, but it, it it just more works in the in the realm of okay. So in this scene, we move to this particular shot and move ahead. So in a way, it's very much like D and D Fourth Edition, how they mm-hmm. they set up the particular acts and scenes, although they handle it a little differently. And so you you set up your character, you just choose your animal type, and then you choose a couple weaknesses and you get an extra power associated with them. You distribute a few, uh, a few points in your particular stats. We only have four stats. They're very cute. Uh, (laughs) and then afterwards you set up your relationships. And, uh, if anybody happens to be familiar with the social links from persona, you will be very much at home here. Because you have the relationship levels between you and the other people. And that's, that's what determines what kind of points you get in, in the game. Because in every scene, you get that amount of points based upon your uh, particular relationships. And those are the points you spend on your skill checks as well as your uh, magic. There is no dice. You don't have to worry about flipping around any any dice, them getting lost. This is a, a game about do you want to do something? Can you afford to do something? Rather than do you think you'll succeed at this? Interesting. So so there's less chance involved. Like, so that's one of the big things that the dice bring, right? Are the are you gonna roll a one or a twenty? Exactly. There's there's nothing of, of that. Instead, uh, what is what comes up as far as play goes, as well as using the powers to help achieve your goals, which is usually like which is in this case helping helping people out or, or patching together some kind of misunderstanding or, or trauma. It's all about as far as like when the scene is going. This is one of the coolest parts of the game. When the scene is going, all the players are not just participating in the game as their characters. When the players will play, they'll also judge and they will be awarding dream tokens. And those dream tokens are essentially like experience points. And the players can give the other players, including the GM, these points whenever they feel that their actions have been heartwarming, cute, uh, funny, or cool. And that's (laughs) K-E-W-L. Cool. Nice. And then after the scene, you count up all your points and then you can use those points to build up your relationships in the game, as well as the other uh, the other players get to do the same. And if they build up on your relationship, you actually get a bonus. Hmm. So if so, you're good to people and you're behaving well, then you're more likely to get bonuses from the people that you're playing with. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and this is this is one of the things I think is very crucial and might actually be helpful for even for parents who may not play role playing games. Mm-hmm. That I think that's this is very important for a lot of people, both 
both grown up and child alike, that this game encourages the idea that a lot of role playing games tend to lose out on or not really look at, which is that everybody wants to participate. Mm. And, you know, it's a given. It's an interactive activity. Everybody gets to pitch in, but at some points, not everybody can pitch in. Right. And it can get really frustrating for people who want to do something, but they can't. Basically, what I hear you saying is, so in a in a, role, a standard role-playing game, oftentimes there'll be somebody who goes off and does something uh, kind of like a side quest or a part of a, a mission for the overall mission. And in the meantime, you have three or four other people kind of sitting around listening, which is, you know, it's entertaining, but it's not the same as playing the game. And this in this instance, it gives them the opportunity to reward that player for how they're how they're playing keeping them engaged and involved in in the the game or the story at the same time correct Hmm. that that's very much on key uh the players can judge whether or not they themselves are in the scene or not and in fact uh that's actually one one thing i loved doing was uh on several of my play tests, there would just be people stopping by, and I said, "Oh well, we're we're starting off the game, so would you like to join?" No, we'll we'll just watch. Okay, great. I got a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's fantastic because it's so easy sometimes for people to say, "Oh, I'll just watch. I'll just sit here." But this, you know, sort of, like you said, encourages everybody to participate. Right. In mm-hmm. in some in some minor fashion, but yeah. it actually rewards people for for paying attention as uh, and giving back as well as participating. Mm-hmm. I've been in several uh, several groups where if they aren't involved in the particular scene, they'll be start talking about the latest episode of Family Guy or uh, or just looking like they're they're dying. No. My or, my my friends would say start playing with their phones. <laughs> or that too. Um or or start role playing but in a totally different scene. Mm, it, yeah. It, Detracts, yeah. Yeah. Or just so, make jokes. Yeah, or just make jokes, yeah. Exactly. And this is kind of the, the one of the cool things about about the game is that it it actually helps out people with Look, you know, it's fun to go ahead and let other people go first or go ahead because you yourself will be able to get support from that person when it's your turn. And it's a, a, it, I think it's a very, uh, a very Japanese concept and it's mm-hmm. a very cool little, uh, little concept, uh, that's built within the game. Well, it makes the, the rewards for participating and support, um, intrinsic, where where everybody has um, internal value to to the activity and to working as a group. Exactly. As, as opposed to like a, an experience point system where that's an extrinsic value, where you are working for an external reward. You're working for those experience points or the gear or whatever else it is you can get. So, and and that from what I know, from what little I know of Japanese culture speaks of their interpersonal communications just in general. And it's kind of something that um, at least uh, many Americans might need help with. So, 
I, I think it's a skill we can all always mm. work on. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, talking is great, and, mm-hmm. and but we also uh, we also need to listen at times. Mm-hmm. So it's a it it's a lesson I've had to learn several times myself. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it is something that you know that we do end up coming sort of back to and looping around to, and and something that you can always sort of strengthen. So. That's it's fascinating. This is a really interesting concept. Um, how how many uh, like you said you did it? What was the con that you recently did it at? Unfortunately, I was not able to uh, to demo the game oh. at, at 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 the show. But I was uh, recently at Equestria LA, right. uh, showing off the game, and and I, I I pretty much pitched it as this is a this is a game me and my friends uh, brought over from Japan. Uh, it's it's on Kickstarter right now, and it's all about magical animals helping people with the power of friendship. And they say, "Oh, where have I heard that one before?" <laughs> <laughs> They've heard that one before. <laughs> Wander into a convention uh, uh, celebrating a show whose subtitle is "Friendship is Magic." Oh, oh okay, yeah, <laughs> I get it now. All right, <laughs> so. So there you go for for all you non bronies out there. <laughs> uh, so what was the reception like from the people that who who've played it with you so far? Um, everybody seems to love it. Uh, I've brought in people who've never played a role playing game before. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents, kids, people who've who've been hardcore role players, often on gamers. The the results have been fantastic. The fact that you can start up the game within about 10 minutes and the game time is about 30 minutes to, to about two hours, which is incredibly quick for a role-playing game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Cool. So tell us a little bit about, so it's, it's on Kickstarter and it's your Kickstarter is coming to a close in the near future. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but I'm told that by the time people are listening to this, this may be uh, the last 24 hours that you might be able to get a hold of this. And uh, it ends on uh, uh, this Tuesday uh, at the uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Daylight Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've made sure that our, our rewards have always benefited almost everyone. Uh, we believe, uh, I like to call it the Katamari approach. Uh, other people said... Uh, called it the snowball approach or the <laughs> even more obscure uh, journey scarf approach. Okay. And, <laughs> and that is, is that the more you keep going, the more it keeps building up more mm. and more. Right. But same right. thing with the journey scarf. Uh, yeah. If you've played that game. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with the snowball approach. A lot of uh, researchers use the snowball approach in terms of recruiting participants for research, but I haven't played journey. So I don't know. It's just the scarf. <laughs> I, I haven't, uh, I haven't either, but that, uh, that term was coined by the uh, uh, Alina Pete of WearGeek when she sent me an email uh, saying that she she was so happy that the game was finally released. We've made sure to make sure that all of our of our games or all of our goodies have been accessible to even the people at the ten dollar mark whenever we can. And the ten dollar mark gets you the PDF. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twenty five dollar mark gets you the 
uh, PDF and the book. And we have uh, tons of other extra cool stuff like wall scrolls, uh, made RPG, extra books. Uh, even uh, uh, if, if you guys are feeling uh, a little crazy, uh, you can invite me over to your place and we'll have a uh, full weekend party of Golden Sky Stories. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you offered out your services. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> ha- ha- have game bag will travel. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like your, your Kickstarter is doing really well right now. It looks like you've way over your your goal we've been absolutely floored at the amount of support and of people willing to uh check us out and give us a chance and i've been both aaron and i have been absolutely humbled by the results i think a lot of that has to do like what i was saying before is i i think it's it's a a family friendly game it's something that parents can do with their children and not feel like they're um, necessarily subjecting them. I know you said that the henge uh, and there were other monsters involved, but you know it's not like having to worry about them dealing with zombies or vampires or um, you know anything like that. Yeah, no, uh, nothing, nothing in a uh, in an absolutely harmful or or frightening manner. And you <laughs> are correct. Uh, however, the other the other interesting market we've discovered is a lot of people have just said you know what, this is actually a really interesting game because I'm normally buy a lot of games that are very serious and grim and full of heavy action. And here's this small, small, fun little game that ends within about an hour or two. Right, that, it, that isn't point. an epic commitment of time and energy and long-term playing as well. Right, yeah. right. Mm. And and I uh, guess the other the other group has also been like, oh, I love like the Studio Ghibli movies, and or I I love these kinds of uh, these kinds of things, or even uh, another cool thing is which I've gotten several times, which is parents saying, I've never done role playing games before. I've been interested in, but now I can. Now this might be fun for me and my kid to try out mm-hmm. yep exactly cool well since you started talking about sort of the groups of people who are interested and you found through the kickstarter process i'm going to jump into some of our our sort of standard game on girl questions for you cool um so i'm going to start with a big one and this was the one that sort of launched my research so how would you define a gamer i would define a gamer as anyone who loves playing games uh, even if it if you just play a game to zone out or to relax or to entertain congratulations you're a gamer (laughs) (laughs) there are quite a few people who play certain games who would argue with that (laughs) i'm not a gamer what do you mean i play angry birds that makes me a gamer really i i think yeah if you're playing (laughs) angry birds sooner sooner or later you're gonna you might find something else that's interesting right Right, it might connect you to some some other game or some other interest from that. We don't really have like respected professional level in a lot of these in a, in a lot of these circles where it becomes a, a standard practice. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, everybody's loved like playing card games, board games, and things of that nature. So I don't see it why anybody can't just play 
video games in a just a fun a fun casual manner and and just leave it at that you know i'm speaking as a child from the 80s who uh who loved playing arcade games uh, uh, mm-hmm. i yeah. mean you couldn't get more casual than that <laughs> <laughs> I, I i actually live in the area where the first pong machines were demoed out over at rooster tea feathers on el camino uh in uh in sunnyvale really? and you're in sunnyvale no, no, I live in Santa Clara. Oh, okay. uh, we are broadcasting uh, from Mountain View, which is just yeah. a little above Sunnyvale. I, I grew up in San Bruno, so oh. uh, you're not far from my hometown. <laughs> Rock on. Yeah. So I, I also grew up in that sort of 80s, uh, you know, gaming. You know, everybody had an, an Atari or Nintendo kind of thing. So did Mark. And there was, an arca- there was an arcade machine in every 7-Eleven mm-hmm, supermarket. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of crazy. And it, in the early 80s, uh, late 70s, arcade games were a pastime for adults mm-hmm. who just mm-hmm. casually played these things. Even, even uh, what was interesting was hearing stories that uh, several games were designed for women or women would actually learn how to hustle guys on the games like Pong and... Uh, and centipede and things like that kind of kind of wild actually yeah yeah very yeah yeah, very different from from i think a lot of the misconceptions perhaps that people have about what gaming was like you know that's you know a few years ago now it it all changed with nintendo where Mm -hmm. where more and more people started focusing and thinking oh it's for kids right exactly and it started to change and 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 it became more associated with you know we don't think about it very much was you know it's still a form of play and and it's very much you know, a pastime and and playing is important and you can learn a lot about people from how they play and what they play and what they do when they play. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we kind of take for granted or want to dismiss it because it's, it's sort of lesser than maybe more serious tasks that we do or what our work is or what our jobs are, blah, 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 blah. But I think it's just as important to see how people are, how people play and what they do, you know, in those arenas as well. So, yeah. 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 So you brought up casual. So, as casual gamers, do, do you think there's a lot of value associated with the terms casual and hardcore in, to define gamers? To to some degree, yes, but in other cases, it it just tells me like the only thing I could say is that a hardcore gamer can actually uh, tell me who Yuzo Kushiro is. Well, I can't well, do I guess, that, though. So. I guess I'm not a hardcore gamer. <laughs> yeah, <then>. Me too. <laughs> well, I had a better chance of that, but uh, Yu- Yuzo Kushiro did a lot of cool little uh, soundtracks for uh, for Sega Genesis games, including uh, The Revenge of Shinobi. And he was kind of... Uh, Considered kind of the Nobu Amatsu of his time. Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think either Mark or I are um are big fan Final Fantasy fans. So Well, I there was I can't remember which one um I played. I think it was Final I wanna say Final Fantasy Seven back in the day. I really loved that one, but uh um I've never played another one since or prior to that, so Yeah. Well, you know, it, to each their own. But yeah. the music was really pretty. That, yeah. that's, 
That well, was more what I was getting at. I, I think that's that's true of all the Final Fantasy games. That's the one thing that's always sort of intrigued me, um, along with the sort of rabid fan base and, and like how like connected people feel to the characters in those games. Um, along with the artwork and the music, they are always sort of visually stunning and musically aesthetic games. So, they, yeah. They've been very pretty. Yes. <laughs> but as far as like we're hardcore and casual it just becomes like a level of where I feel like hardcore gamers might be able to know about things other than what's shown on te- mm. television or talked about in the news. Mm. Okay. So it's sort of a, a different depth of understanding or a different kind of uh, research or knowledge. Yeah. 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 I and I, I would put that. casual gamers uh, and, I know, like, some people would just like to say, oh, well, casual gamers are the people who just play these simple little games that aren't about killing things, mm-hmm. and hardcore gamers are playing games about all about blood and right. and shooting and guns and explosions and first-person stuff. And I, I'd say no. Uh, I, I'd call the guy who just plays Halo or Call of Duty or Madden, I'd call you casual. Because <laughs> that's all it, that that's all you're playing. If you're mm-hmm. if you're hardcore, you'll be playing a bunch of different titles, checking out uh checking out a bunch of other things, enjoying some of the indie titles of uh uh that you might find on Steam or GOG.com. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sort of more well rounded and open to experiences as well. Like us, which well, I guess yeah, we are hardcore. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, to, to listen to your um, your definitions here and your sort of uh, play between casual and hardcore. It sounds like part of the group that's attracted to Golden Sky stories are perhaps what we would call hardcore gamers who are like, well, I like this because it's not this hardcore role-playing game that I've been playing or you know that I have to commit tons of time and energy to. Right. Um, so I think that that's kind of interesting that, that it appeals to that crowd in perhaps a different way. Yeah, it, and, and it does. And that's also like kind of the thing where I have been wanting to uh, attract uh, casual players who may not have really thought about role-playing games and say, hey, look, I've got this really cool game and you don't need any experience and you can still have a good time. Right. Even if you're not even if you're not completely keyed in on how everything works. We've gotten kids and parents never played a single game uh, of, of this type before. And within about 10, 15 minutes, I was floored at how, uh, how that they were taking at this. And I, I just said, I- I'm sorry, I got to pause the game here. <laughs> okay, are you sure you've never played role-playing games before? <laughs> I think that's a selling point for the game in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, because normally I would see the typical newbie eyes. The, right, the, the blank the stare, the confusion. Blank stare, not sure what they're yeah. doing. Kind of the same look you'd see with a deer in headlights. Right. <laughs> and, and these were the parents that were doing this sometimes? No, parents, kids, just just all kinds of uh, new players, just not sure, okay, what do I do? Uh, how do I do this? Um... I think I'm just going to go find a corner and just watch. Okay, guys. (laughs) 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, did you get a chance to look at the gamer types on the site? I did. Did you take the quiz or did you just read over the uh, the gamer types themselves? I, I, I read over the gamer types. All right. Do you have a, an, an idea of which one you identify with or if any? Uh, I would definitely identify with role player. With role player. Yeah, I had a feeling, you know, you, you just have kind of a sense about people. But <laughs> uh, although I do... I do like to uh, game the system, but mostly for the fact of can my character stay alive and whether or not the fact that he does well, I kind of need the system and know how it works. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's elements to that for each of the types where you do actually have to understand the game you're playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that kind of ties into the weird Stormwind fallacy uh, thing that role playing uh, role players talk about which is like it's the opposite of power gaming which is I'm going to make an intentionally weak character oh, so yeah. it doesn't look like I'm therefore I'm not power gaming right go ahead and make a competent character but please give them flaws make them interesting yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah give them a sense of depth that way right Marcus did you have you've been awfully quiet did you have any <laughs> Any any questions or ideas you wanted to sort of talk about with the this this game and and our our guest here? Um, I just want to go back and say that uh, I I am not a parent myself. However, I do have coming up on a five year old niece and um, a uh, two or three year old nephew soon, and uh, you know it it thrills me to think that if they saw you know the adults playing role-playing games and became interested in it, that there is a way to introduce them to it where it's not overly complicated. It's not mind boggling. Um, it's not about violence. Um, it's about conflict resolution, you know, without, without violence or anything like that. I, I'm really impressed with this idea and I'm really glad that you guys are, are doing the Kickstarter to, to put it out there. For Thanks. People. Yeah, so. I, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's one of the things that we formed Starline, which was specifically to make these, to help bring out these interesting games mm-hmm. uh, in whatever shape or form that they take. I even said, like, even in the beginning, okay, here's what we should do. Like, let's actually try for being like the atlas of tabletop games. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll bring out, like, these really cool stuff we might... We might work on new stuff ourselves, but uh, help coordinate and make sure that that other people can check out these really awesome, fun games. Yeah, it's really it's really nice because you get to capitalize on a group that's already interested in role playing. That, like Mark said, might want to engage their kids in role playing in a way that they haven't been able to before, and or maybe haven't wanted to because of the violence sort of inherent in gaming, and. We say a lot on the show and I talk a lot about and what I write in my research about how gaming is about problem solving and learning how to work with people. And here's a game that's just entirely based on that. So yeah, kudos. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So where can uh, where can our listeners find more information about you and more information about the game? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, they can find more about me as well as the game at StarlinePublishing.com. Uh, I also happen to have a Twitter account uh, called Starline Mike. Uh, that's Starline underscore Mike. We also happen to have a Facebook page uh, for Golden Sky Stories. Just check out uh, Facebook, Golden Sky Stories. 
Fantastic. So everybody go follow and like Starline Publishing. And thanks so much for being on the show, Mike. We had a great time chatting with you. Yeah, yeah. I I had a blast. Maybe, Maybe we can do this again some other time. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've been listening to Game On Girl. I am the co-host today, Mark Scholl, filling in for Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Mars Uller. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and on Steam. Many, many thanks to Mike Stevens uh, from Starline Publishing for joining us today for the show. We had a great conversation, and we really hope that you guys uh, take some time and go check out Golden Sky Stories. I think it's a tabletop or a table talk, as he explained to us, uh, RPG game that has a lot of value and a lot of uh, good skills and interests that you could learn from it. So definitely go make sure to check it out and let us know what you think. As always, we'd love to hear your comments on the website, gameongirl.com. You can find our links to iTunes and Stitcher there as well. And any other references that we make in the show, including links to Starline and their Kickstarter project, which has less than 24 hours to go. So please go out and uh, pledge to support them. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media. And the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, game on. Game on.